Good morning, MVCC. All right, ready to go? Ready for the word, life interrupted. We're going to get to that in just a moment in Luke chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, just have that ready. But I wanted to start off this morning uh, just to really be praying about the Ukraine and what's happening there. And I think, you know, we're so many thousands of miles away, but there's something we can do right now, and that's to pray. So if you would just join with me together in believing that God's going to hear our prayer and act. God, we, our hearts are broken over this broken world. And God, uh, we come to you asking for three things this morning, God. Right now, we are just asking for the safety of the Ukrainian people. And we pray, God, for Ukraine and the people that are there, especially right now, we focus in on the Christians that are there, Lord, that you'll give them strength and resources and everything, God, from your spirit to help those around them that might be in a really scary place, God. And secondly, God, we want to pray for the pastors that are there, the churches, that you would help them to cross denominational lines, God, and they're just, we can't even imagine here in, in beautiful Mission Viejo and South County what they're experiencing. But God, we just pray that they would join together in love and unity and an opportunity to, to just to do your will there in a, in a horrific situation, God. And last, we pray for our president. We pray for the president of Ukraine. God, we are asking for men and women around these leaders, God. You told us to pray for our leaders, so we're doing that, that you would give wise counsel, very specific counsel, God, that comes from you. And ultimately, Lord, we pray, we know because you told us in your word, there's evil in this world and there's evil leaders. And God, we know that you can move and penetrate on any heart, God. And we are praying for the gospel to be known through this entire world, God. And so our hearts go to them, our prayers go to them, God, and we ask it together in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. Well, we have a couple of quick things. I just wanted to make sure that you're aware of. Inside the seat back in front of you, there is uh, something like this. I just wanted to draw your attention to this. We provide this every week for you to just take some notes. For me, you know, I got to write things down. It helps me remember it. It's something that I can slip, you know, in the Bible or put it in my pocket and just refer to. We want to be about the study of the word and learn more about the word. So that's there for you. On the second side also, it just has a list of things happening, ministries at MVCC that opportunities to get involved. And just wanted you to know you can take that. With you, and we hope that's a point of reference of everything that we're doing of trying to bring the greatest message known to mankind and help people to become disciples who make disciples. Amen. Amen. How many of you love a party? All right. You know, my favorite kind of parties are the ones that we get to honor somebody for what they've done or just honor their life. Those are the best kind of parties with a purpose. And I just wanted to share with you something that I read out of a a book um, called The Kingdom of God is a Party by Tony Campolo. And uh, in this book, he just describes a scenario that happened to him. And I just believe that we're talking about life interruptions, that there are certain moments in life where God interrupts us. And they can be good or bad things, but there are moments that God wants to dive into that and be in our life, and he wants us to connect to him and hear from him, right? So um, he describes this one uh, situation where he got uh, invited to go to Honolulu to be a speaker at a Christian conference in Hawaii. And so this is about 20 years ago this happened to him. And so he flew over there, tough assignment, you know, in Honolulu, Hawaii, to speak there. So um, the night before he was ready to speak, you know, was at the convention center. So there was going to be a lot of of, uh, church-going people, Christian people, people who believe in Jesus. And he had his message all ready to go, but he was still nervous. It was something that night before that just, you know, he couldn't sleep and he got hungry about 2.30 in the morning. So he walks down into the lobby of the hotel, walks out on the strip at Waikiki and finds a little greasy spoon kind of restaurant, kind of back, you know, in the corner of a 
place and typical, you know, kind of greasy menu, you know, plastic on it. You don't want to touch it for some ET terrestrial thing coming out of the menu. A guy behind, you know, with a big white, you know, t-shirt rubs down on his t-shirt, you know, it's got the hat on, it's grease flying everywhere. And there's nobody in this establishment. It's 2.30 in the morning. So he sits down, you know, at the, uh, at the stool and the guy behind named Harry, who owns the place, he says, what do you want? He says, uh, I'll take a donut and I'll take a cup of coffee. So um, Harry, um, like this, before he touches, grabs the donut with his hand, not even use a little tissue thing, grabs the donut, plops it down on a, on a plate and then gives him a cup of coffee. And Tony's describing this through the book that he's enjoying his donut at 2.45 in the morning now and having this really crummy cup of coffee. And in walk a few of the women, prostitutes, who walk the streets in Waikiki. And as they walk in, they sit down just a few seats on the right side of where Tony, Pastor Tony. And when he saw them, when he came in, his first reaction was he was a little bit afraid. And so um, they started talking in their conversation. He couldn't help but overhear the conversation that was going on. One of the women said, hey, by the way, she was talking to the, her girlfriends there. Uh, it's my birthday tomorrow. And the other uh, friend of hers leaned over and said, yeah, so what? What do you want me to do about it? Throw you a birthday party? Get you a cake? And she leaned over and said, why do you have to be so mean? I just wanted you to know it was my birthday. You know, I've never had my entire life, I have never had a birthday party for my birthday. Conversation kind of went on for a few moments. And they left that beautifully run establishment. And Tony's sitting there thinking to himself, and he asked the guy across the counter who owns the place, his name is Harry, and he says, um, do you know the, the three women that come in here? Yeah, man, they come in here every morning at 3 a.m. They're here, spot on, the, and they order the same thing. And do you know the girl, that, the woman that mentioned she didn't have a birthday? And, oh, that's Agnes. She's a really sweet girl. We know her for years, all this stuff. He brings his wife. Oh, Agnes is amazing. In fact, all the women come in here off and on, all that. Pastor Tony has this idea, and he says, you know what? I overheard that she's never had a birthday party. So why don't we throw, if she's going to be here tomorrow, let's throw a birthday party for Agnes. And we'll get all, I'll get all the streamers. We'll get the balloons. We'll get confetti and everything. In fact, I'll pick up the cake. Harry said, no, no, no. I'll take care of the cake. <laughs> Meet you back here at 2.30 in the morning. The next, come to find out his wife, Harry's wife, told the other women, prostitutes there, that this was going to be this big birthday party at 3 a.m. for Agnes. 3 a.m. comes before he, you know, he, Decked the place out with streamers. It was awesome, beautiful. Couldn't wait for the moment to happen. 35 prostitutes strewn out inside of this, this establishment. The place was packed. Agnes walks in and everybody in unity sings happy birthday. They present this 29 candles on this cake to Agnes and it sits right in front of her. And all of a sudden there's silence that just kind of breaks out and hush over this moment. Harry leans over and says, Come on, Agnes, you can do it. Blow out the candles, come on. She's tearing up. She is now just a mess. She is just sobbing over this moment. Never had a birthday party. So he leans over and in his greasy, blows the candles out. Then he hands her a knife, says, come on, Agnes, cut the cake. You can do it, cut the cake, cut the cake. She says, as she leaned over to the pastor and said, could I just please take this cake? My mom, she only lives two blocks down could I take this cake and show my mom? I promise, and this is what got me, I promise I'll bring it back untouched. She leaves, now everybody is just in tears. This incredible life, you know, interrupted moment for Agnes, right? 
feeling probably unworthy. Why am I stuck in this business? How did I get here? My life is worth nothing. And now she is the hope of heaven. And everybody's kind of standing around in this quiet moment. Pastor Tony says, and he just, you know, sometimes in these moments of life, just the right words just come to you. And he stands up on the chair and he says, and 35 prostitutes in this place, he says, I think we should pray. And so he prays right there and they pray for Agnes that God, you love her. You have something for her. Let her know she's special, that kind of prayer. God, deliver her out of this life. Let her know she's valuable. She's more than that. And at the end of the prayer, there are just tears and just just incredible life interrupted moment for all of these women who were caught in just a horrible mess. At that moment, the women start leaving. Harry leans over to Pastor Tony, who had this just God-divine moment, I believe. And he leans over and says, hey, what kind of church do you go to? He says, I go to the kind of church that throws parties for prostitutes at 3 a.m. No, you don't. No, you don't. If, I was, if, that, if that church were real, I would go to that church. Wouldn't we all? Isn't that what Jesus said? When my kingdom, he talks about banquet feasts and parties. Why do we party? Why are we filled with joy? Why do we look at somebody and we see them as valuable in Christ? Jesus looked at a guy named Levi and he saw something in Levi that Levi never saw in himself. You know, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you realize you are somebody. You are someone that the son of God laid himself down on the cross. He hung between heaven and earth. He bled, he died just for you. The only thing hanging Jesus Jesus to the cross was love. He knew that you'd be sitting here in 2022. He knew that you'd be in this moment. He knew exactly your life and everything that Jesus Christ did was because of love, that you are valuable, you are worth something and you have a purpose. Just like in that moment in a greasy establishment, not in a church building, God spoke to Agnes in that moment and wanted her to know, I love you. You are valuable to me. I wanna take you to another party. You ready for another one? Luke chapter five, hence we meet a gentleman by the name of Levi. Now Levi, better known as Matthew, incredible that we fast forward the tape of of, of biblical years here. Matthew, the very first book in the New Testament, but I want you to just get a feel before we read the text of this guy, Matthew, and what he was really like. His name was Levi. He was a tax collector. In those days, tax collector was seen as murderers, thieves, liars, and cheats. Everyone hated the tax collector. It wasn't just because they worked for the IRS, but he was cheating everybody out of every penny he possibly could cheat them out of. Rome hated the Jewish people because they wanted to keep their political thumb on their Jewish religion. And so the Jewish people didn't like the Rome government because they were suppressing them and they couldn't worship and have all their, their religious feasts and all the things that they wanted to do in full force. It got so bad that the Roman government was taxing them on wheat, grapes, wine, chariot, the wheels on every cart that was blown through a a Palestinian area. It was a complete disaster for the Jewish people, let alone the Roman people. Greece, Rome, and Babylon were the three superpowers, and it was an obsession that they had with global domination. All it took was one tyrant leader who would tax the entire nation to satisfy the craving of his human heart to be the most powerful nation in the world, hence where we live now, unfortunately, with the situation in Russia. God is still faithful. God is still on the throne. 
I just wanted you to get a little bit of a flavor of the tension and the racism and the hate that was going on right now, right in that scene between the Jewish people and the Roman people. And they had to live in the same vicinity. Jesus, remember previous to this, before I read verse 27 now, he just heals a guy from leprosy. Jesus heals a paralyzed man from the neck down, does not only miracles, but proclaims himself proclaims himself as the Messiah, and he forgives their sin. You know, when the greatest thing about becoming Christian is all of a sudden this weight is lifted off of our shoulder. All of a sudden we are free. We don't have to carry the guilt and shame of things that were done to us or things that we've done. And let's just be real, folks. We all have a past. We all have a crummy past. We've all made bad decisions. And thank God for Jesus who came, tapped us on the shoulder spiritually, got us into a moment, a life situation moment. He interrupted our life and said, I love you. I have something so much better for you, but there's just one requirement. I need you to surrender your heart to me. Levi was a guy that Jesus, I'm sure, walked past many times before, and there was a whole row of tax collectors. Now we find ourselves, Jesus walking by the tax collecting booth. Then in verse 27 later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet party in his home with Jesus invited as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's, watch this now, fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But, the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Puh! <laughs> Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Some of the Jewish people wouldn't even make eye contact with Matthew. Would not even look at him in the eye. Because they knew that he was pilfering all of the taxation system in his own pockets. This is Levi. This is the worst of the worst of society. This would be, if Levi walked into that establishment in Honolulu, in that culture, he would be deemed as the same, on the same plane as a prostitute, murder, thief. They all categorize him in the same context, tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus looks at this one right here and says, Matthew, come follow me, man. Notice Jesus say, just fill out the card. Just believe in me. He said, Matthew, I want you to believe in me, but first I want you to come follow me because I want you to see who I really am and the great things I can do in your life. The wonderful thing about Jesus is he knows everything and he calls every single one of us. He invites every single one of us to know him personally in relationship. That's the wonderful thing about him. Why? Why did Matthew leave everything? Can I just be very open and honest with you? I didn't leave everything to follow Jesus. I left my pride. I left my sin. I left the things that were so horrible in my life, my bad mistakes and all my uh, failures and, and all that. But I didn't leave my car and my money, my bank account and my family. I didn't, he left everything. Why did he leave everything to follow this man 
Jesus. There's only one reason I can come up with. The text doesn't say it, but this is just my own just opinion in here. So just, just hang with me here for a second. I think that Matthew, because he was tax collector, he was rich. He had a big 5,000 square foot home. He had everything he could ever want, but there was still something missing in his heart. Why would he leave everything when Jesus invited him to come follow? Because he knew there was something missing. And you can have all the cars in the garage. You can have all the vacation homes, money in stock market, money in the bank. Nothing wrong with having those things. But you know as well as I do, those things don't satisfy the craving of the human heart. Each one of us have a hole in our heart right here. It's a God-shaped hole. And because of sin, we separated ourselves from God. But thank Jesus that he came down and traded his life for our life so that we could be redeemed and forgiven and completely changed from the inside out. Nothing can satisfy the craving of the human heart except God himself. I, was, uh, I had the privilege of visiting a very, very successful, prominent business guy. He owned in our area, this is about eight or nine years ago, I believe. He owned three different businesses, very successful. And he says, why don't you come up for lunch? I'll show you this home I just bought out here in Laguna. I had no idea what I was walking into, folks. And can I just tell you, I was a little bit guilty of coveting my, name, my friend's home. I walked into this place. The entryway was absolutely exquisite. Marble on the floor, wood on the sides, wood on the ceilings. It must have been 2,000 square feet just in the living room and the kitchen alone. Looking out on these beautiful glass doors that went up must eight or nine feet high. There was like eight to 10 feet. And you look out at the Pacific Ocean. It was awesome. And I'm thinking to myself, we could use this for ministry, man. Bible study, right? But still, when I left that place, and I was happy for him. But there was still something when I left that place. I know, even if God blessed, you know, any one of us to have something like that, it really is not going to bring fulfillment. Only Jesus Christ can bring fulfillment. Now, go with me here for a little bit. We just read in this text, verse 29 is very intriguing to me because there was some time that passed from when Matthew said, yes, I'll follow you to the time that we're gonna look now here at this incredible party. We're all invited to come to the party. You ready to go? Matthew, don't know how long, but I gotta suspect here, reading in between the lines, it was least days, maybe weeks, that he was thinking in his mind, you know, there were some things I forgot back at my office. I mean, I just left everything to follow Jesus and I ain't going back. There's no way. But there are some things that are important to me back at my office. It's not so much my iPhone. It's not my iPad. It's not all my attachments. It's not, it's the pictures of my kids. It's the little handprints that they made in preschool that are stuck on my office wall. I need to go back and get those things. So he brings a box, he rushes back and he's passing by all of the tax collecting with his friends. These are his drinking buddies. These are the people he did Zoom calls with. These are the people that they did football pools with. They'd go out after work and drink it up, alcohol, get drunk carousing they just had an awesome time together and that that was their life and he starts putting these mementos close to his heart into the box and as he's walking out he passes the last tax collecting booth of his friend and I can imagine it was something maybe like there was something that stirred in his heart. There had to have been for him to invite everybody back to his place to have this incredible party for Jesus. Why did he do it? I think there was a heart move. I think there was a heart engagement. I think he was so moved by the fact that there were lost people in his life and he had just met Jesus. I don't know, days before, weeks. I don't know exactly how long it was, but Jesus had so, he was so radically touched with the love of God. He wanted every Everybody to know that. So the question is, how are we going to do that? 
Number one, if you're taking notes, some notes that we see out of this text is he had compassion. He had compassion on the people that were lost. Friends that are far away from Jesus. You know, in Matthew 9, 36, there's an interesting, interesting account that Jesus is literally peering over the city of Jerusalem. This is the city of God. This is where Jerusalem is. This is where the temple is. This, this is where everything happened. This is where Jesus will return. Thank God he will come a second time. He will set up his millennial kingdom. We are gonna be there for a thousand years with Jesus, depending on you know what viewpoint you believe. But the point is, wherever Jesus is, that's where I wanna be. And so Jesus is gonna, this is where it all is. This is the city of God. And he looks over the people and it says that Jesus wept. He had compassion on them because they were helpless, one without a shepherd. You know, that's very convicting for me because I just wonder if I get so busy in my life or I get so caught up in my own life that I forget that there are lost people away from God who are not going to make it into eternity. And this should break our heart. This should move our heart. This should move. We are, Jesus says when he was moved with compassion, literally his guts were wrenched. He felt the pain that other people were feeling. This is the God that we have. This is the God that we serve. This is the creator of the universe who climbs into our pain and our distress and our despair. And he lives there for 33 years. He knows what you're feeling. I know you might be going through a difficult time. I know that you just came out of a difficult time. Or you might be going through the hardship of hardships in the future but you've got to remember that yes, Jesus has compassion on your life and your situation no matter what the outcome. Man, we are dealing with some stuff right now just personally that I, I, I hate to see somebody that I love suffer. I hate to see them in pain. And I'm like, I literally walked out into the parking lot. My wife was at the ER and I was saying, because she has an infection. I said, God, I, I, I was, after I did it, I was so embarrassed. I have to, it was at Hogue Hospital, so it was Newport Beach. Nobody knew I was a pastor. And I walked out in the middle. It was like 11 o'clock at night. I walked out where the handicapped parking lot. I said, God, why aren't you helping us? Ever been there? God, I had a good friend tell me one time when I lived in Hawaii, he was a youth pastor, he was a little older than I was, and he says, you know what? God has big enough shoulders to handle your cry. When my kids were little, and Daddy, I don't like you anymore. Remember that? I didn't freak out. Oh my gosh, my kids don't love me anymore. Oh, isn't that so cute? You just don't love me anymore because I know they're going to wake up tomorrow. Daddy, you're the best, right? I think it's a little bit of that with us and God. He wants our cry. He wants, he wants our begging for him to get involved in a life-interrupted process. But we don't know the outcome. And it's all wrapped up in his compassion. I, 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 I am so excited I am so jazzed about what, what God is doing. I can just sense a resurgence back into faith and really living for Jesus. Before the pandemic, I think the church just overall, Big C Church, was kind of coasting, just kind of taking up some space. Now it's, man, are you gonna live for Jesus or not? Are we, are we gonna go all in? Are we gonna be willing to leave everything and follow this Jesus, even if they take our life? Are we gonna live for Jesus and love him with all our heart? I really get the sense that we are in a new place and that's exciting to me which moves us into the next thing that I think Matthew, Levi, I think he had faith. Would you agree? To throw this huge party, invite everybody over. That takes a step of faith. 
He's taking a risk. He's taking a chance. He's bringing all of his drinking buddies, all of his carousing friends. And I got to believe there were some prostitutes inside of that clan, inside of that group of people, because it says tax collectors and sinners. If you look that up in the Greek, it's a whole host of all kinds of problem people. And we were all problem people, right? He had faith, man. I tell you what, if there's anything God is looking for, it's faith. He's looking for people who have faith. He's not looking for people who have all the degrees and all the Bible knowledge, nothing wrong with that. He's not looking for people who have it all together. He's looking for people who get them so far out on a limb, they have no place else to go, but Jesus, you're my only hope. You're my only hope. You're my only hope. And I think that's where Levi was. He wanted so much this divine appointment to happen for his friends to meet this Jesus guy who was absolutely from heaven. He is out of this world. He has changed my heart. He can do the same thing for you. I think the third thing that I see here is that he was innovative, man. I don't read anywhere else that they were having parties for Jesus, but Matthew said, let's try it. I think there's a little bit of that in the church. You know, I love having leadership around me. We have some great, great pastors with us. They're much more smarter and more talented than I am. And I was always taught, set up Peter people who are much more intelligent, smarter, and, and much more keen than you are, and you'll be successful. So we did that at MVCC. Thank you, Pastor Brian. And one of the things that I tell our staff, I'd rather you try something and fail than just sit back and go, ah, well, we really can't do that. We did that before and it didn't work. Nobody will do that. What if people will leave? Greatest sermon I ever heard. Don't remember the whole sermon. I just remember the last phrase of the sermon. Somebody do something for Jesus. We need that back in the church, following the Holy Spirit's move, following his lead. But sometimes God asks us to step out in faith to see, do I really trust him? And I think Matthew was at that point. I got to reach my friends for you. I've got to let them know that you're the greatest thing that ever happened, Jesus. So we're going to invite them over to a 5,000 square foot home. And so he made the decision, big house, big party, inviting all these people. And he goes to Costco the next day. <laughs> Love Costco, right? Hey, we are back to samples at Costco, right? <laughs> Pandemic is over. So he goes down the aisle, my favorite, because I'm Italian. Those tiny little Italian meatballs at Costco, love those. I tell my wife, you got to get two bags of those things. Goes down the other aisle and gets frankfurters, those little hot dog things, right? Dipped in sauce, chips and salsa, tater tots, pizza rolls, my favorite, pizza rolls, right? And a bunch of Diet Coke and Diet Pepsi. Eight more minutes, we're out of here. <laughs> Let's just hit the pause button just, just for a second. What about us? What about me? What about the people that live on the right and to the left? What about people in my family? People that I work with, friends that I hang out with, watch football games with, play tennis with, but do you... Do I, do we, think about them the way I believe Matthew thought about his friends? Ready for the next question? What do your non-believing friends think about you? What do they think about God? You ready for the fourth one? This one's going to kind of hurt. Do we even care? Now look, I'm with you in this. 
We're all family, so we can talk truth, right? I don't think there's any of us here that go, I'm not sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm not doing that. I just don't have time. I'm not do- I don't think we're obstinate. I don't think it's an obedience thing. I just think we get so busy and we just so, get so sometimes into ourselves and my world and they can be very good things that we're doing that we can miss those on the margins of life who are in the tax collector's booths and they're looking for something. Why did Matthew go to all this trouble? Because he found out he was loved and he was accepted and he was called. Isn't it interesting? Matthew did not do one thing in the scripture to earn that. Jesus did not say, hey Matt, uh, clean this up and then I'll meet you in fourth and, and eighth in two hours. He just said, come follow me. Didn't Jesus do that for you? Those of you that received Christ into your life, he just came to you right in the middle of your mess. In fact, isn't it better that way? Because then the cross means so much more. Don't you love Jesus more because he forgave all of your mess? He forgave all of it. He didn't say clean it up. He said, let the little children Let's get back to the party. You ready to go back to the party now? Some of Matthew's friends are talking over here to Jesus. It's a beautiful moonlit night. Stars are out everywhere. It's a beautiful house. All the money that he... Matthew did it in a dishonest way. But anyway, it is what it is. And the house is there. And there's tons of people there. Now remember, James and John and Peter, as far as we know, are the only disciples that Jesus chose previous to Matthew here, Levi. James and John over here talking in the corner to a few of the tax collecting folks. And then he sees Peter. Matthew sees Peter over here. And he knows who Peter is because Peter's always the one that's impetuous. He always sticks his foot in his mouth. He's always saying something before he thinks about what he's saying. Of course, we never do that. And he's thinking in his mind, Peter, just don't blow it, man. Don't, don't say something stupid and then these people are going to leave and not believe in Jesus. I don't know. It might have been something like that. And then they show up. They. Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all their robes and tassels, all the religious garb, carrying their scrolls of scripture. But the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? You know that Greek word for uh, complained? If we translate that into English, it actually, the Greek word is gogudzo. It sounds like complaining. Your kids ever, go goodzo, go goodzo, go goodzo. It just sounds like complaining. We don't need complaining in the church. What we need is problem solving. What we need is all help. What we need is all serve. What we need is all jump on board. Uh, we, we need that. We don't need complaining because we don't have that at MVCC, which I'm so glad. And all of a sudden, the music stops, and it's quiet, and there's a silence, just like the Honolulu diner when Agnes took the cake and walked out. And there was a hush in the entire room. Listen to Jesus' answer. It's golden. I love it. One more time. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Scary words. Scary for those of us who call ourselves Christians but can so easily slip into this religious kind of prideful thinking. The catch you thinking. You ever, you ever have people in your life who are always trying to catch you? Christians are catch you do wrong. Oh, you swore. Oh, you had a lustful thought. 
Oh, you shouldn't do that. Oh, can't do that. Can't dance. Can't chew. Don't go. Girls who do all that stuff. Are you kidding me? Who wants to live like that? People who think they're healthy but have no idea of what repentance and humility really means. I just imagine now the party's over. You still with the, at the party with me? It's been awesome. People are starting to leave now. It's probably 12, 31 a.m. People are exiting out of the house. And Jesus starts to walk out. And Matthew, I think maybe Levi, because the religious people had so ruined a moment that maybe Levi thought, oh, this is a disaster. Have you ever felt that way? You tried to set something up to do for God or you were in a project with the Lord and you felt like it was a complete disaster. I think maybe Levi was feeling a little bit. So he puts his hands in his shroud and he kind of follows Jesus sheepishly behind him and he kind of goes up next to Jesus. Why wouldn't it have been awesome to walk with Jesus? I mean, think about Levi is walking with God and he just kind of rubs shoulders with Jesus a little bit timid and he might have said something like, Jesus, thank you so much for coming to my party. Thank you so much for spending time with the people that I used to work with. Thank you for not judging them and condemning them. And I'm really sorry that the religious people came and yelled at you. And they made an embarrassing scene. And I can't believe they, they broke up the party. And I think maybe Jesus did something like, Levi, shh. Levi, I want to say two things. And he turned to him, looked him in the eye, maybe put his hand on his shoulder. Because we know Jesus touched people right at a moment of life intersection, right here at the moment of Levi's life. And maybe he said something like, Levi, I love your heart. I love the fact that you tried to bring your friends to this party so they could meet God. I, 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 I got to be honest with you that um, Jesus may have said something like, there are a lot of people who say they follow me, but they don't give a rip about people that are lost in their life. You did. Matthew, I love your courage. I love that you took a risk. This is our heart at Mission Vale Christian Church. I know every single one of us here who have met the Lord, I know you could stand up and give testimony about how the day you met Jesus, something happened in your heart and you wanted everybody to know. The day on a Wednesday night, 1983, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. It was a Wednesday night like it was yesterday. I wanted everybody to know that this God is real, that his love is real, that he could lift the burden from your life. I wanted everybody to know. And Jesus not only calls us this morning, what is the Holy Spirit really speaking this morning to some of us? I believe some of us need to hear as well as I do. Don't just believe in me. You think when you stand before me, it's not going to be a list of all these questions. Did you believe the Bible? Did you believe the virgin birth? Did you believe I did miracles? Did you believe these things? Did you do my will? Did you follow me? Did you do it unto the least of these, knowing that you did it unto me? Did you reach your next door neighbor by just loving them and not a project person, but you just loved them and were kind to them and you reached out to them and you threw a party, a barbecue, and you, you tried your very best to reach out to people that are on the margins of life. The kingdom of God is a party. I think what we need to do is have more parties at, FM, at MVCC in our homes, in our backyards, in our churches, in places that we work, throwing a party just because we wanted somebody to know they're special. It's not because, well, we're going to get the gospel in. We just got to make sure we get the verse in there. Maybe on the cake we'll put John 3.16. No, I'm not saying you need to do that. I'm just saying love somebody, let them know they're appreciated, and let God do the rest. So this is what I want you to do this week. Two things. And I'm always preaching it myself every Sunday morning. Always looking, where is it, God, I need to change? Number one is this. 
put yourself in a lost person's life. I, I really want you to think about two or three people here in your life right now that are just lost. They're hurting. They're trying to figure this thing out. And, and, and not only just, I want to ask you to put a lost person in your life that God gives you an opportunity to show compassion. When it says that Jesus had compassion on the lepers, he touched them. Nobody would touch a leper. Jesus touched them. Showing compassion is a gift. Showing compassion for somebody is a blessing. It's a privilege. So here's, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Part B of part one is I'm going to ask you to go where the pain is, where the hurt is in somebody's life, and get involved. Well, there might be some shrapnel. I might get hurt. Yeah, but don't we have Jesus? Don't we have the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Don't we have the shield about us? God can protect us. There's nothing wrong with hurting those, with those who hurt. We got a call a couple of weeks ago from a young couple that had their first child. It just absolutely broke my heart. Their baby was born and they waited obviously nine months. They got the room ready. Parents came out from Texas and from Georgia. Everybody was so excited. And what happened is during her giving birth, the child was born, born without a um, trachea. And they, couldn't, they could not see that on an ultrasound. So as this child is being born in this moment, the greatest moment of life, those of you that are parents and grandparents, you know, there's nothing greater than holding your son or daughter. And they had that moment. And the doctors rushed in immediately and says, she's only going to have an hour or two. Can you imagine? I, I can't even imagine. And at the memorial service, as I'm, I'm, I'm just there as a participant, just feeling honestly not even worthy because I can't identify with that pain. Just watching the, the husband and wife just so sorrowful, so sad, just so much in pain. I found myself wanting to climb into the pain with them. I can't say that I can identify with every situation, but I know what it feels like to hurt. I know disappointment. And I know wanting something so bad and not being able to have it. I know that. And I'm asking every single one of us, where is the pain in somebody in your life that you can climb into you know, sometimes people just need us to sit and be with them. What if I don't know what to say? What if I, sometimes, I'll be, I don't know what to say, but your presence in somebody's life, oh, God takes you into a place where only he can go. I think the second thing that I draw out of this, and I, I really believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to some, some of us here today, Step out in faith and creatively look for ways to share who you believe in. We, we had a, um, an inter we did a workshop, this is many years ago, a workshop on how to share your faith. And I remember one lady came up to me and she said, Mike, she says, I don't know how to share my faith. Everything you're explaining, I just feel like I can't do that. And I said, well, what do you enjoy doing? She started rambling off a couple things she really enjoyed doing, the passions of her life. And one of them was cooking. She said, I love to cook. And then she kind of answered her own question. She says, you know what I'm going to do? Every, Friday, every other Friday night or once a month, I can't remember exactly what it is, I'm going to make a meal for people that are in my cul-de-sac, and I'm just going to make a meal, a dessert, I'm just going to bless them with it and just, just honor my neighbors and just let them know that I'm here and like to build a friendship with them. Out of those meals, after about a year and a half, she got opportunity just to talk about her faith and who she believed in. There wasn't any hard sell. There's no, there's no quota. There's no, like, you got to win five people. It was just loving people and letting God do the rest. 
We had this other guy who got um, very successful in business, and he had uh, sports tickets to all the professional teams in our area, Dodgers, Angels, Rams. Go, Rams. And um, he had uh, access to all these really nice seats. And his first, he told me his first inclination is he's going to take his best friends from church. And there's nothing wrong with that. But he says, you know, I felt really convicted. I need to take some people in my life that don't know the Lord just to spend some time with them and honor and say, hey, why don't you come to a Dodger game? And we'll just sit and, yes, they're going to drink beer and they're going to swear and they're going to get mad because the guy struck out and all that stuff. But that's okay, right? Jesus was with people that were hurting. He was with the tax collectors and sinners. In fact, I, I, I chose the New Living Translation because I liked the way it was translated. Who do you think you are spending time with such scum? I wish they would say that about MVCC. You guys spend time with all the scum of the earth. I, I, I really wish some, I, I, I long to be privileged with that kind of label. Someone spray paints all over the church. You spend time with scum. Go ahead and do it. We can, we can repaint over it. Isn't that a privilege? To be where Jesus called us to be. I think the last thing is, this guy, many, many years ago, came to the Lord, and he was a computer guru. One of, these, one of these computer guys, he could do anything with a computer. He could not only build one, but he could figure out any program, fix any problem. He was an IT guy. But he really liked just being in front of a screen. That, that was just what he did all day long. He says, you know what, Mike? I really don't like to be around people. I just don't like people. I said, well, what do you like doing? He says, well, I, I love computers. I can fix computers. I can do anything. He got the idea that any time he heard any roundabout friend of his that had a problem with a computer, he was going to help guide them through that. And through those moments, not every single time, but through those moments, he just got an opportunity to share about the one that he loves. Now, to wrap this up, I know that I'm, I'm asking all of us to get into this together. Together, right? Together in unity. We're going to do this. My first thought is, oh my gosh, he's asking us to do one more thing. I don't have any more room in my life. I don't have any more space to do this stuff. Here's what I'm asking us to do, and I'm always preaching here. I'm not asking you to do one more thing. I gotta write. My wife keeps telling me, you need to write a book, and I need to do that. I'm calling it the Matthew 633 principle. And it's this, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. So, oh my gosh, I got to take the kids here. We got to do sports. I got to make dinner. I got to wash clothes. I got to do my business. I got to make these calls on these people. And we have these parties to go to. Oh yeah, I got to go share the gospel with five people before the end of the month or I'm going to feel like a loser. That's not how it is. Jesus is in the center of our life. And so when we put the kingdom first and we just let him do it out of a natural response of just loving people and trying out, you know, a risk and doing something for somebody and showing compassion, God will do the rest. We're just faithful in doing what God said and he'll take care of the rest of taking kids to the soccer games and washing my clothes and getting the next client and doing the house and got to do, you know, do this date with my husband and all these things that we do. God will take care of all that stuff. I have seen guys that have turned, and women, who've turned over their businesses to Jesus Christ. And they didn't just say it. They dedicated their business to Jesus Christ. We went down and anointed the business with oil. We dedicated it to Jesus Christ. And I, because they did that, they got more clients and they were less busy because they turned everything over to God. Not saying that's a guarantee. I'm just saying sometimes that stuff happens. Last thing I want to say is, man, let's party. Right? Let's party for Jesus. Let's throw parties for Jesus and invite people that are just lost. Yeah. God, we love you today. We thank you, God, for the challenge. I thank you for the challenge of your word. Thank you, God, for Levi, who stepped out in faith and did something that nobody else did. God, such an example. There's so many times in my life, God, I confess that I'm way too safe, too predictable. 
too scared, too fearful what somebody's going to say. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would put something in us. No fear. No fear, only trust, only faith, compassion, innovative spirit. God, give me some, some way, God, some method to let somebody know that you love them. And God, if there's anyone here today that just feels far away from you, God, God, thank you for the cross. Thank you, Jesus. You went there. You did what you promised you would do, Lord. You came through. You died on that cross. You rose again so we could have life. If there's anybody here today, God, that just needs to step into that first-time decision of, yes, I want Jesus Christ to be the center of my life. I receive him now. I want you to just pray along with me in your heart. Lord Jesus, I give you my life, my heart. I'm sorry, God, for the sins I've committed. I, I, I own up to it. I take responsibility, God. I've done wrong. Forgive me, God. Please forgive me. I receive you now into my life, John 1, 12. I receive, God, everything you have for me. And help me, God, now to live every day of my life for you. And God, for those who have already made that commitment, even in this moment of communion, impress upon us the heaviness, the weightiness, God, of that cross that you carried so that we might walk, God, in your footsteps. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here and we'll see you next time.